0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. The podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with folk musician and songwriter Catherine Pretty. It would be fantastic if you could subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, share and review it, because doing that helps more people to find it in the future. During these lockdown times, I'm working on various projects, including on my YouTube channel where I'm making videos about creativity and also some guitar lessons. I'm performing online concerts on my Facebook page and doing some other stuff as well. You can find out more about all these projects at RobertLameMusic.co.uk, and you can find me on social media as Robert Lay Music. Okay, here's my conversation with Catherine. Hi, Catherine. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm all right, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Um... Yeah, we're 3 weeks into this lockdown situation <laughs> in the UK. I'm I'm sort of saying that before the interviews that I'm doing at the moment and I don't know how long into the future people will be listening. But I feel like it's it re- true. I feel like it requires some context because I think all of this will hopefully seem so odd again, <laughs> you know, when people are yeah. just in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean I I don't know how quickly it'll take us all to kind of go back to normal. Yeah. Um I think it's going to take a little while, but there's a high chance that next year it'll be like, this never really happened.
0: Yeah. And what normal will be as well. I mean, I, I'm beginning to think there must be some changes that will come in terms of mm. our, um, our attitudes to things. There must be. I
1: think people might wash their hands a bit
0: more. I reckon. <laughs> Which is no bad thing.
1: No, not <laughs> at
0: all. And just the sort of, it's, it's really striking me at the moment that there's a, a proper mix of negative, obviously awful things and, particularly mm-hmm. things that people are frightened of at the moment but then I think for a lot of people there are some slight silver lining starting to rear their heads a little bit like I know a lot of people yeah. are spending times with their family when they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to
1: yeah well I was thinking I really hope that the kids uh the young kids who are um, in isolation at the moment will look back on this it's just a really nice time when one or the other of their parents are always home with them and mm. um, they were playing lots of games they were outside I don't know I think I don't know, it, made me, it makes us realise that if we're, if we're saying things like, um, oh, I've been able to kind of relax in a way I don't normally relax, I've yeah. seen my my family more, maybe maybe it'll change the way we organise our lifestyle a little bit in the future.
0: Yeah, it would be, never know. it'd be interesting if it does. And just the stuff like the things that were so important to us three weeks ago and have been proved mm-hmm. to not matter at all. You know, the sort yeah. of, some of how stressed everybody is running around with work and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and... <laughs> Quite, yeah, maybe we'll be hurt. a
1: little bit calmer after this. <laughs> that
0: would be good, wouldn't it? Or yes. it could have the complete opposite effect that, every, you know, once we're all back off the leash again, perhaps yeah, it would all come back with a vengeance, I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah, we just can't predict, see what happens. That's
0: very true. So how had it affected your, your plans for the next couple of months then? I guess, were you out playing lots of shows and stuff when this had
1: happened? Yeah, I mean i just completed a tour for before Christmas, mm. uh, kind of luckily. So I I've, I wasn't planning on touring again um, in the next few months. But unfortunately, the last two years of kind of gigging and uh, recording were all um, leading up to this summer. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was hoping to get out um, a debut album in the next couple of months. Um, and I had lots of festivals booked off the back of that and mm. a couple of other kind of things which I never really got a chance to announce i'm not going to announce now in case they do still happen somewhere down the line okay but um it's pretty it is a bit disappointing because like i said yeah it it was all leading up to this summer this summer was kind of going to be the big the big Mm. push but of course it's all had to be put on hold now so i'm not quite sure what's what's going to happen as Mm. a result of that but who knows
0: and that's the difficulty isn't it because actually the the shows themselves are one thing but the amount of work that goes into i mean you could be looking at you know a year or more of planning for some of this stuff
1: that's it i think uh gigs don't just kind of appear um you you spend quite a long time trying to build relationships with promoters and um also just like yeah just trying to get your name out there and build a bit of um a support uh, a bit of an audience and all of that i've been kind of doing over the last couple of years uh with the um with the aim of getting it all to be kind of coming to a, a climax this this summer Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately as i say i think i might have to wait a little bit longer now but hopefully it'll all still happen just um it's just all on pause at the moment rather than cancelled
0: well that's the thing isn't it it is definitely that we don't know how long for but it is kind of paused and we've all got to take a bit of a stop in in our Mm -hmm. lives in so many different ways but of course it's the same for the audiences as well and they understand the situation that performers are in i think
1: that's it that's my kind of big comfort really is whilst it's really disappointing that all these things have been cancelled um everything has stopped it's not like it's just everything's been stopped everything's on pause it's mm. not like everyone else is also now is going on and touring and releasing without me it's mm, that everyone's it. lives are all are all stopped at the moment and it's and it's really important obviously i completely support the festival's decisions i mean it, like, nothing is worth putting people's health and safety at risk no. so it's rubbish that it's happening but. um I think it's it's important that we that we see this through.
0: And how was that sort of period where um, there was about a week or two where things weren't being officially cancelled, but it was kind mm. of. Let, I find that quite tricky because it was left up to us and the promoters and the audiences actually to kind of decide what we would be doing. And for me, it was almost yeah. in a terrible way. Really, it was almost a little bit of a relief when it was that the venues and everything would have to close because it kind of it made the decision it for gave everyone us a little
1: bit. Of- yeah, it gave everybody a bit of a direction. I, I, because like I said, I didn't actually have gigs um, during that period, mm. but I was kind of noticing friends of mine who were gigging, who obviously were still going ahead with the gigs because it's their livelihood and they hadn't been told yeah. not to. Um, but then they were also getting backlash from people saying, oh, it's irresponsible. Uh-huh. But there was part of me thinking, well, it's if they're not told to, and this is their job, and this is, I don't know, I, I don't think there was a right or wrong thing you could do in that time. But I'd certainly, um, I felt quite, it was obviously disappointing, but when mm. they told us that it was all definitely stopping, at least at least I knew where I was then. Yeah, that's it. That weird limbo.
0: Because no, none of us are armed for any of this stuff, having never experienced it before. Even down yeah. to the, the authorities, I think, as well. So, like, as we're talking now, it's this thing of, it's Easter weekend coming up, mm-hmm. so it's this thing of, well, what are people allowed to do? We're not going to go and visit people in our household and all that. But Mm -hmm. the big one at the moment is this, does exercise count as sitting on a park bench or is Mm. that not allowed? Is it okay to be out as long as you move in? And it's because no one really knows because we haven't been through the situation before.
1: No, it is tough. I mean, I hope that people are just staying home as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky because I live um, in a village and it's, it's quite rural so I've still been going out for walks, but I've been making sure that I'm going to places where I know I'm not going to be encountering people. So. And if I am, that there's a space to give a really wide berth. Yeah. Um, and I'm also lucky because I have a garden. So I've been able to be outside without having to um, be around people in public. But I do feel I do really feel for people who live in flats and in cities and mm. um, you can't just kind of do that. But yeah, I think we have to just remember this is all really temporary. And if it means yeah. not going jogging um, for a month or so, like we'll survive, we just need to, everyone's going to have to make sacrifices during this time in mm. some way, unfortunately. And it'll all be over. Hopefully it'll be over sooner as well.
0: Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. The real incentive is if we just do it, hopefully we get through it quicker. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of the creativity then, how have you found mm-hmm. that, that a, this situation has affected things? Have you been in a – because there's two ways of looking at it, isn't there? You could either say, okay, being given all this time and this permission to, to just be at mm-hmm. a home and not have to do all the normal stuff is great. But then on the other hand, mm-hmm. people might not be in the right frame of mind to be creative. So how is it working for you?
1: Yeah, it's been I, – I... I think I've just had to take it day by day because some days I've woken up and I felt really good mm. Um and I felt quite productive and I've done things. And other days I just wake up feeling really miserable mm. Um and don't feel in any way productive at all. And on those days, I've just kind of given myself permission to do whatever it is that is going to get me through yes, today yeah. so a lot of that has been playing zelda i've played a lot of zelda ah, okay. <laughs> over the past couple of weeks um or just sitting in my garden reading whatever yeah i have on the days where i have felt productive i have been um doing some musical musical projects mm-hmm. on the side which have been which I, which I might not have done otherwise To be honest,
0: well this is the thing isn't it people are having Mm. to find a a way to do stuff. And one of those things is the online gig streaming and the collaborations. And I've seen that you've Mm -hmm. done some of those that have seemed to have had a really great reaction as well. So tell us about how that came about, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Yeah, um, so there's been quite a few musicians who are on my radar, like with the joy of social media now, Uh, you end up being in touch with a lot of incredible musicians, even Mm. though you may never have really met each other. Yeah. Um, You kind of support each other's work from afar. So there's been a few musicians who I've been wanting to play with for quite a long time. But of course, uh, tour dates never line up and you're always all busy. And um, whereas at the moment, there's a lot of musicians like me who are just sat at home. whose diaries have suddenly become empty. Uh, So it's been a really nice opportunity to get in contact with them. Um, So I did, a, I think my first collaboration was with David Delar. who I think normally tours with Eliza Carthy, and all, well, all sorts to be honest mm-hmm. um and so we we sang a song together just by sending videos back and forth and layering them up mm. and that was really nice but then recently i did one with kieran algar as well and then i've done a couple of nick drake ones now uh with john wilkes lucas drinkwater and john nice mm-hmm. um and they've gone down really well we had a wonderful reaction from those um so yeah so i've talked as far as i've talked to you quite a long time in that. No, that's sentence, great you're but, um... answering
0: the question that's fine <laughs> i was i was interested to hear about those because it's were you expecting them to have the, the reaction that they did or was that a just a bit of a no of not at all it was
1: literally it's like i said it was we're musicians who all respect each other's work and i was i've never actually met john wilkes in person mm. um, but he's fairly local to me as well and obviously we both live not far from nick drake's home place cool so um We were talking about Nick Drake and we said, oh, it'd be nice if we could do a couple of Nick Drake covers through this whole long-distance collaboration thing. And then he works with John Nice for Grizzly Folk. And I know, we both know Lucas Drinkwater, because everyone knows Lucas Drinkwater (laughs) because he's just wonderful. Um, So the four of us thought, oh, we'll just do it for fun. Because we're all bored. We're all sitting at home not being able to make music that we thought we'd be making. Um, And then so we made a nice little video and we were really pleased with it, put it out. And yeah, it got i think it's had like forty thousand views um last time i checked overall over all our social medias um so it was nice to see people enjoyed it because it was really it was just something to do and it was fun to make
0: and as you said Um, something that may not have happened under normal circumstances as well
1: 100 percent. because i don't know if i've never thought about doing these online collaborations before Mm. because you just think it has to happen in person but Everyone's always busy and um, musicians are always all over the place. So it's quite hard to pin each other down, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, it might not have happened otherwise. But, yeah, so we did Riverman as well and that's gone down well. And um, I think we're going to try and do a few more too.
0: And, again, that might be something that continues after things are a bit more back to normal because the the online collaboration, I guess people were doing it before, but for mm-hmm. most of us it's probably something that seems like quite a nice idea, but you'd never quite get round yeah. to it.
1: Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, it it does open up possibilities because you don't all have to be in the same town in the same country at the same time. Um, I mean, I think John Nice is in Norfolk. Me and uh, John Wilkes are both Midlands based, but not that close to each other. And I think Lucas is down southwest somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's nice. Yeah, it it kind of I hope that online collaborations do continue. It's just it's just it's just a nice alternative. Um, You get sick of singing your own songs to be honest <laughs> it's quite nice to work with some other people sometimes And i think the live streaming of gigs as well will probably continue mm. like, i suspect as well
0: which is interesting because that's something that's kind of started as a this is just a replacement you know we'd all rather be mm-hmm. a, a live gig but i think there's a yeah. chance they might become a bit their own thing as well
1: i think so because again like for me i did one um last thursday i think um and i had an, a much 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 bigger turnout than i thought it would Mm. and it's actually a much bigger turnout than to any of my actual real life headline gigs i've ever had because it was there's people uh, from america and from around europe who were also able to tune in who don't normally get to come and see me live because i don't normally go and tour in those places um so i think it's a nice alternative you know it's a nice alternative gig idea where maybe people who wouldn't normally be able to travel to come and see you can can watch a full gig
0: that's it that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it's sort of building those new audiences a little bit as well, because in the the sort of streams that I've done, there's the people who are the the gig attendees. But mm-hmm. then there's people who maybe haven't been to a show, as you say, because of where they're from or whatever. And it's, yeah. it's going to be its own little thing a little bit, I kind of imagine, which would be quite cool. But as we were yeah, saying I before, it's just that. how these things continue when they're not a necessity. But I think w- when something is proven that it works, I think it can have its own legs mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's no harm because I mean, as much as I'd love to be gigging and touring all the time, it just doesn't work like that. So when I'm Mm. not, it's nice to think that maybe I might be able to do that as much for my own amusement and, you know, to make myself feel like I'm still achieving something when I'm not gigging Mm. as it is for for other people's amusement as well. It's just a nice way to to connect with people. I like the fact that people can still kind of ask questions and be commenting whilst you're playing. uh, And um, again, you don't when you're doing a normal gig, you don't kind of break off and do a Q&A. question and answer between yeah, each yeah. song yeah <laughs> so yeah it's just fun and uh, i think it during times like this it creates a real sense of community and i think it probably would still after this as well
0: yeah i think so okay so give us a little bit of a kind of parted history of how you got into the position that you're in now where did music and the idea of being a musician kind of enter your life
1: um well i never really thought about I'd never thought I'd be a musician. I never really mm. wanted to be a musician necessarily. I've always loved music, but I was quite shy, particularly as a teenager. All right. Um but I remember when I was about eight or nine, I went to see Waterson Carthy with my mum mm-hmm. and I saw Eliza Carthy on stage stomping around with her mm. violin and singing. I thought she was, you know, she had all her piercings. I thought she was so cool. And I remember saying to my mum that night that I wanted to be a folk musician like that. <laughs> um but then I kind of, you know, you get older and you get awkward. Um, but then I um, had to perform some music for my music GCSE, and then my teacher saying, "Oh, you know, you, you're quite good, really. You should, you should think about, you know, doing this." Hmm. Um, and they entered me into this competition called the Next Brit thing, which is run by the Brit Awards. Oh, okay. Um, and much to my horror, I kept getting through the rounds, <laughs> and kept getting through each heat, until eventually I was playing at the O2 Arena in oh, front of wow. the Fly. And that ah. was my first gig. <laughs> oh,
0: great. So that was, and what that age were you fire.
1: then? I was, again, it was just, I think I was about 16, wow. 17.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so then after then, which is all very surreal, but then after <laughs> that, I started going to the odd open mic. Um, And yeah, it just all kind of started from there, really. I met John Fell, who uh, runs Mostly Folk Festival, mm-hmm. and he took me under his wing and started helping me kind of get gigs and build up a bit of a presence. And it's just kind of... Kept going from there, really. So it was never a deliberate choice. It just—I feel quite lucky, really, because it, it did just kind of happen, mm. um, and I'm very glad it did.
0: Cool. And yeah. how have things developed then over that that kind of time? In t- so if you're starting off at the open mics. What was mm-hmm. the next kind of thing from there to the point where you're headlining shows um, and stuff?
1: I started supporting people. I think my first gig, my first support gig, kind outside of open mics, I think it was supporting Michael Chapman at and Hounds um and so i started doing kind of more support gigs i never gig too much i remember john telling me it was always best to kind of go try and go for quality rather than quantity and just pick Mm. like the odd like nice little support slots and stuff so i started doing those um and i was writing my own music i've always mainly written uh my own stuff with the occasional cover thrown in but i started um making homemade cds of like four covers four covers um which I'd hand package and hand seal with like a little wax seal and stamp them and stuff. And I started selling those online in limited numbers to try and build up a little bit of money to record yes. my own EP, yeah. um, which I did. And I released a couple of years ago in September. Uh, then that led on to, yeah, like more headline shows, um, some bigger support slots, a tour with Richard Thompson, lots of festivals and things. So it's just, again, it's, it's been a nice organic, organic kind of growth for
0: it all. And with that too, much, well, I don't know, with that too much kind of planning and the one sense, I guess, it was just sort of as opportunities came up going for them, I guess.
1: Yeah, you've got to say yes to things. But um, John's really helped me when it comes to planning, planning releases and, and taking the time because I think I was always just like, oh, I've recorded something, I just want to put it out there. Yeah. And he was always more of the mind of, no, no, you've got to take your time and build up the audience and be nice and m- measured about it, uh, which I think, you know, is for people who are looking to release something that definitely is the way forward. um you've got to just put in the groundwork and do lots of gigs and really build a little audience for yourself first
0: and kind of make as much as you can from each release as well because there's there's obviously so much music out there all the time that just putting mm-hmm. it out into the into the ether is quite you have got to lost. make sure
1: it's you have to respect what it is that you do and try and give it what it is what it deserves and you want your whatever it is that you've been working on really hard to land well and to kind of be listened to Mm -hmm. so it's definitely worth putting the time in to try and give it a best chance for it to for it to go down well and
0: and when you're songwriting then what is how does that process look is it is it always the same kind of um thing that you go through or Um, or does it vary
1: for me i wish i could be one of these people that just kind of sits down with a guitar and and bashes out Mm. a song um it's it's such a slow process for me i don't know maybe i've been trying to work out partly over this isolation period actually how better if there's a way i can go about it better if i need to sit down and try more often but for me it takes a long time um to kind of build up a melody and then but then suddenly it all happens all at once so Mm. i'll be i'll spend weeks playing around with with a melody on the guitar um and not really getting anywhere but then suddenly in about 10 minutes the song's written um and i also find that I tend to write down lots of lyrics. I tend to have lyrics first, which isn't necessarily very helpful, <laughs> but um I tend to write a lot of lyrics almost down as poems on my phone. And why then find melodies. would
0: you sorry, why would you say it wasn't very helpful to have the collection well, of lyrics?
1: I don't know if I don't know if it's trickier to write a melody that fits around a lyric that you've already got. Okay. Whether it's easier to write the melody and then fit the lyrics around it. I have a feeling it might be slightly easier to write the melody and then fit lyrics around it. But mm. like I say, I'm not sure. I think it's different for everyone. Mm. But for me, it's definitely quite a, a slow process writing, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so you're not someone who's kind of doing office hours in that way of like, you know, people talk about between nine and one on a Tuesday, that songwriting <laughs> time. It's more a kind of yeah. – it happens when but it that's
1: happens. What, yeah, but I'm wondering – if recently i've been thinking maybe i should try and designate more time um Mm -hmm. in a week or a day to actually sit down and just try and write because i don't know if it's a bit like a muscle and you have to exercise it and then it maybe it'll get a little bit easier um but it's certainly something that yeah you you have you have to just keep going at it and eventually the idea will come um i am quite jealous of these people who seem to write like 50 songs a week i mean Mm. i'd love to be that productive but it just doesn't seem to work like that for me unfortunately
0: and it's another point with where we are at the moment as well. I guess is having the time you can maybe approach something like that. But in general life, I think there's very few people, even you know, really highly regarded musicians, who have actually got mm-hmm. nothing else in their life that they can spend the time,
1: yeah, just thinking I mean, about I'm, songwriting. That's it. I and mean, unfortunately, like the folk world, it's not. There's not the most amount of money in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose so. A lot of us do have to have side jobs and little side hustles. Uh, which take up quite a lot of time, but I do think I need to be trying to kind of be a bit more disciplined with my songwriting and put some more time aside. But I think you've just got to find what what works for you. Yeah, that's
0: different. that's the key. Everybody is different, aren't they? And just some methods will work for people, and some won't work for others. So I think it's always mm-hmm. fun to ch- to try and change them up and just to see how they do work for you. Um, yeah,
1: I did a, a little um songwriting thing with you know the band Tongue.
0: Um, don't think fantastic.
1: So. Oh, they're brilliant. Um, they're kind of like a folky alternative. As, all sort. They do lots of like samples and kind of electronic songs oh, okay, like cool. with their folk songs. Um, but I did a, a little songwriting day with Sam from, from Tongue. Um, and I liked his idea because he basically walked around my house, picked out some books off the shelves off, <laughs> out um, at random, pretty much. And then we both picked a sentence from each book that we liked oh, cool. and then tried to kind of weave words from that sentence into a song. And um, even though we didn't, you know, use the sentences directly from the books, yeah. it just kind of started to kind of inspire some ideas. And
0: That's great. It
1: started to get those those ideas rolling, which I thought was a really good method, and one I might try again
0: myself. That's so key sometimes, isn't it? It's finding the source material. And I think those tricks are where it kind of, the idea of kind of having more regular writing Um, Mm -hmm. sessions those sorts of ideas Mm -hmm. can be helpful there just thinking of it like a like a jobbing writer trying to find ways to because I think the the thing that most people start off with when they're writing songs or creating anything is this inspiration idea you know Mm -hmm. the muse delivers an idea to them and then they they finish it yeah and when you're doing it in that way you have the luxury of allowing that to happen Mm -hmm. I guess it's different if you're trying to produce stuff all the time you need to kind of yeah. Trick them, use it's coming to you a little bit. Yeah,
1: and that's it. And I, I, for me, it's not a process that I do want to rush, but mm. I also like, like I said, I do kind of try and encourage it, and <laughs> try and make an effort to make sure it is happening or it is ticking over. But I, I keep a list of um things I want to write songs about in the back of my diary. Yeah, um, i um, not like a a journal diary, but it's in my diary of dates. Um, yeah, so I, I keep a little list in the back there of just kind of things that have happened or things I've seen or whatever that I think, Oh, I'd I'd quite like to write a song about that. So then if I do find a melody that I really like, I can look through that list and and kind of start to to pin an idea back down onto it.
0: And what can be fun about that is some of those ideas can be around for for ages actually, can't they? And then oh, yeah. you just find the right thing for them and you go, Yep, yeah, that's the one. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean I've I've had an idea for what I wanted to write a song about and I've started to write the song and write the melody and then I've realized that the melody I've written actually doesn't feel quite right for that initial idea. Mm. So I then use the melody for a different one. Because I find that sometimes the lyrics and the melody need to match somehow in my head and sometimes they end up not not quite matching, but it fits another idea better. Um so yeah, I end up having to change it. It is what it is. Are
0: there things that you, you don't finish? You know, if you're sort of working on something and, and it's not quite happening, will you will you persevere with that? Or are there things that you've put to one side if it's not happening? Because there is a school of thought that you've got to get through the ones that aren't quite so good and <laughs> kind of get them out of the way yeah. to get the good bits.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, again, I actually had this conversation recently with a friend because I people always say, oh, you need to write – say you write 10 songs and we mm. will end up using one of them. Um I've never I don't think I've ever really done that I tend to just have a few ideas bubbling over <laughs> at one time um and then um I don't know one one just tends to kind of fall into place but I don't I don't tend to write a lot and then only use one I tend to just write a few and and like all of them but
0: yeah, and get them right as well it, that's the thing I guess it's yeah, hard to work maybe... on something you don't like
1: it is. It is. But then it might end up being more productive if I did just see through lots of ideas mm-hmm. and kind of play around a little bit more. I don't know. It's it's a really it's such a subjective process, I think. Um, but I am, I am really I am trying at the moment to just see through ideas a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think they tend to evolve organically anyway. I tend to find that songs, if they're new, I have to perform them a few times before they really kind of fill, like fit their final form. Um, so a, a new song will change four or five times throughout the first few gigs before it kind of settles. I think
0: that's interesting. So uh, the performing is part of the the creating the creative process as well. Because uh, uh, sometimes people work the opposite way, don't they? They won't play something until they think it's completely finished and or even yeah, recorded. I, mean, I try and
1: get it. That's it. I try, I try and get it to a kind of listenable, <laughs> um, listenable stage. But then I tend to find that just naturally it, it's not necessarily something i think about but i realise that it moves a bit maybe yeah. three times i performed it i realized that i've done something different mm. naturally each time or one of the lyrics i've said differently as i've been performing it but i think maybe if i'm just on my own maybe i'm i overthink it too much but when you're performing it it just um i don't know i'm not sure really but yeah for me it, it changes continuously until until suddenly it it stops and that's where i've got the final song
0: mm. And do you know when you've created something that's, you know, really good? Have you had points where the song that you thought was great doesn't quite have the reaction and the audience have responded to one you weren't so sure about?
1: I've, I've certainly had it where people have um, liked songs that maybe I didn't like quite as much. But like I said, I always try and just work on the songs that I really like myself because I feel like you then, you know, put more of yourself into it. But, um, I don't think I've ever really written a song and thought, "Oh, this is really good," because I, I think it, it's very hard to to tell that from something that's come out of your own head. By the time you've written it, you've you've heard it in your head so many times that um, it's quite hard to look at it objectively. But then, once I performed it live, I'll always say if it's new or ever. Um, and actually, on the live stream um, last week, I played a song that I I wrote back in February, and it I'd only ever I think one person had heard it and I wasn't really sure about it because it was quite personal and I'd kind of written it for one person. Um, and I hadn't ever really written it with with um, the view of kind of singing it publicly, okay. but I had a really, really, really nice response about it. So I guess that would be a time when I didn't really think people would necessarily like mm. it, but they did. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I. I I don't know if it's easy. I, certainly, I I never write a song and think, oh, this is bloody brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I can't, I've struggled to, maybe I should try and blow my own trumpet a bit more, but I struggle to kind of work out if I like it or not until I've had the audience response.
0: That's it. And then if you're picking what you might, you know, archaically call the single, the one that you make the video of or whatever, mm-hmm. Yeah. will you know what which one that should be or does that come from reaction from other people?
1: Yeah. Um... That's a tricky one. Certainly with Wolf, um, it was always going to be Wolf, you know, the title track yeah. that I was going to do as the single. Um, but then Ring of Roses, which is another track on the EP, that one was a bit weird. I wrote that when I was about fourteen, fifteen, and I hadn't had kind of forgotten about it. But my producer had said, "Oh no, I think that would that would sound nice on this." And we we played around with it and we made like these big kind of droning atmospheres and stuff. So it felt a bit more experimental, something like Wolf, which is a bit more catchy. But then it was Gideon Coe played Ring of Roses, I think like six or seven weeks in a row on his show and loved it. I'd never expected that to be the track that people really picked up on. Um, so I don't think you can always predict it. And certainly with the album, which I'm not going to say much about um, because I don't yet know when it will be, be with it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> coming Understood. out. Um, but uh, certainly the track that at the moment I like the most, I have a suspicion is probably going to be the one people <laughs> like the least, but, <laughs> You never, you never know with these things.
0: It's interesting isn't it? because people will see something in it a little bit different sometimes from how you you visit, envisage, mm-hmm. envisage it yourself as well, which is always quite interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think often the ones I like are slightly more experimental, weirder mm-hmm. ones, uh, which isn't necessarily what's going to like float everyone's boat. To be honest, it particularly you know, they're not the tracks that will necessarily be picked up on by. <laughs> By yeah
0: it's you know you're kind of looking for that first listen immediate thing aren't you which mm-hmm. is something a little bit different i guess when you're recording then yeah. how do you find that process and in, in, compared to performing live do you have a, a preference or do you you like them both
1: um i found it incredibly nerve-wracking to begin with and listening back i we went through some stems of some original i think the first time i ever went into the studio simon weaver my producer in birmingham mm. um and our voice was shaking on it, and that was like three years ago because I just found it's You feel really exposed, and I actually felt a bit silly for some reason. I said, I just don't know if I'm a little bit shy when it comes to to all this. So for me now, when I when I um, when we're in the studio, there's a big room with a glass window where I can see him at the desk. But I've taken I take the microphone out into the corridor um, uh. <laughs> outside now. Where it's I kind of stand in the corner. <laughs> it sounds really weird, but I like to be kind of in between the two rules, where I, no one can see me, and I can fully just kind of focus. Um, I like, yeah, it's just a really little small space where I can just focus, and I know that he can't see me, and I feel a lot more comfortable recording That's in the corner of the
0: corridor. So, what is yeah. it particularly that you're nervous about in that circumstance? Is it is it the being looked at, or is it your your you know your voice, or I don't
1: know. I don't know I think I just it's quite an exposing process because mm. you're trying to sing something perfectly for recording you're trying to get it just bang on and be exactly what you know you're aware I think I get I think Simon calls it the red light syndrome yes but you know it's recording yeah and instantly you just I think you. I certainly myself I begin to get very um, self-critical mm-hmm. and I find even listening back to recordings you'll always hear bits that you're not happy with or I certainly will um so i think i just put quite a lot of pressure on myself um throughout that process but i do enjoy it and i've relaxed into it so much more than i than i used to mm-hmm. um but i still find it quite nerve-wracking just because i put a lot of pressure on myself during it to be honest
0: mm it's a weird thing isn't it the, the studio compared to mm-hmm. to being live because i think it's the same it, cuz even the simplest things can suddenly become time consuming <laughs> when you're well, doing yeah,
1: live I think when you're live, you sing it, and then it, that moment's gone. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can rewind it and everyone ha- is listening back to it. And That's it. Critically, whereas with recording, I'm going to have to listen to that track for the however many years to come. That's it. And so I'm so aware that you know, and people will really listen to it and analyze it, and and rightly so. Like it's good to listen to music and really get into it, but there feels a lot more pressure on getting it just right mm-hmm. than there does when you're performing live. And once the moments, once you've sung it, it's also it's gone. I suppose. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting I, mean, I always like talking to people about stuff like that because people who are like you know really super duper musicians and the best singers there'll always be some element mm-hmm. of what they do where they have a you know a self consciousness which people may, maybe maybe re- wouldn't um expect but then it's because they want to be good <laughs> so it's it was much better than to be blase about it and just assume everything you totally. do is great
1: totally and it's such a personal thing for me personally i I find that um it's quite I don't know. Singing live, there's some things that you put into songs that you wouldn't necessarily talk to people you'd never met about, <laughs> and yet when you're singing it, it's quite an exposing sort of it process. Is. And I find it even more in the studio because maybe when I'm perform when I'm singing it in the studio and recording it, I listen to. The- I'm focusing on the lyrics a lot more than I maybe would if I was singing it live because you're really having to analyse it and make sure it's all perfect and just becomes it's such a personal thing and then to put that out in front of everyone and people (laughs) you you don't know it's quite an odd an odd it's like people reading your diary it's just it's it's not it doesn't feel very normal sometimes yeah so I think there's always that element of um, feeling quite self-conscious about what it is that you're you're putting out there
0: I think there's that element of being like the little kid who's going, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then the minute everybody does, they don't know what to do. It's like <laughs> it's it's quite a cheeky yeah. thing to sort of stand on stage and be like, you're going to listen to me for 40 minutes now. And- it
1: is. And like I said, I never, I never, ever, ever thought I'd be a performer. I never had a massive urge to be um, mm. for most of my life. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still find it odd that people will buy tickets, to be honest, to come and see me. I don't <laughs> know if I, that must... People must like the the big dogs must have um, got used to that feeling by now. I suppose maybe maybe you do you do get used to it, but certainly for me, if if anyone buys my music or buys a ticket, I'm so I'm I'm still so grateful. Hmm. I'm so kind of surprised. I still find it surprising that people will pay to come and sit in a room and listen to me because <laughs> I don't know. It's just odd.
0: Which yeah. is quite a healthy. Way to be, I think. Do do you ever find yourself in the kind of opposite mind? Because we're all, you know, contradictions all the time. But do you find yourself in the mm-hmm. opposite mind frame of, you know, this gig hasn't had the attendance I thought it would, or or a particular thing hasn't gone down that well? And, um, and do you find yourself comparing yourself to other people on the circuit in that way? I don't
1: think so. I think Folks are pretty lovely circuit to be in. To be honest, I don't. It doesn't feel like a com- particularly competitive. There might be people who listen to this and think, well, actually, no, it, it definitely is. But mm. I've never found it to to feel particularly competitive or That's like good. you're comparing yourself to other musicians. Um, because I think we're all kind of part of a similar tradition. Like I said, there's, it's not like there's an enormous amount of money, even at the top of it, I'd, I just, I'd imagine. And I feel like it's quite a small community at mm. uh, the folk scene as well. Um, so it feels very supportive of each other. So I don't tend to compare myself to other people. Um, and I'd, I've never really put much expectation on my own gigs as to as to how many tickets I'll sell. Um so I've never really had that feeling of disappointment mm. when it comes to a show. For me it's just even if just one person turned up, you you make the most of it and you'd enjoy it. Um I think I just I just feel lucky to be here and doing it, to be honest. Mm. That sounds really cliched, but I really am just just happy to be doing it.
0: Well there's a lot to be said for that really. And again, we're in this sort of situation at the moment where everybody, whatever they do, is having to do some enforced self reflection, I think, about mm. about who they are. I'm certainly finding it. I think it's something you mentioned earlier about, you know, if you're not out playing shows, mm-hmm. what are you? <laughs> I've got a little bit of that at the moment. And it's an enforced not being out playing shows. And you think, well, actually there's lots of other things that I that that i am it's just you Mm -hmm. and it's it's i think it's healthy to not focus on one element of yourself in that way actually
1: yeah i think so and just take some time out for yourself i think people there's been a lot of um i've noticed a lot of musicians saying that they felt pressure at this time to be being creative and using this time productively but honestly there's so much crap going on right now (laughs) that if you whatever you just need to do whatever it is that'll get you through the day and make you feel all right and kind Mm. of i don't think there should be any pressure on on filling that um that performing role in any way mm. really if you just want to put your guitar down for the next couple of months then it all power to you really mm. just do whatever whatever makes you happy
0: which is great isn't it and there's because there's certainly in the first few days i saw a lot of that kind of like oh what well, you know there's going to be so much great music coming out during this because everybody's got time yeah. so many amazing books are going to be written it's like well that's yeah. that's probably it may well be true but actually it's for not a lot of enforced. That
1: sure like that
0: yeah because we're in such a uh, weird time, and people are, are worried about a lot of things, you know, and that's not necessarily conducive to creating things. It might be for some people, because mm-hmm. stuff does yeah, get made some. in adversity. But but for you, me,
1: I've suddenly, oh, sorry, no, go on. I was going to say I've, I've become Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> this. I've suddenly rediscovered my love of gardening, so which, <laughs> which is, is never going to help my music career, but it's it's been nice.
0: But then you know, I have that opinion of if you're a if you're creating stuff. Actually mm-hmm. life is important as well. I was I mean, yeah. I was chatting to someone a few months ago who was um pregnant and she was mm-hmm. sort of talking about how she wasn't therefore going to be gigging for a while and she was a little bit concerned about would people still be there for her afterwards? And it's like, well, you've yeah. got to you've got to have a life. So, you yeah. know, having a kid is going to be great material potentially for writing songs Absolutely. and and your audience want yeah. you to have a life as well because they want you to create stuff that is interesting
1: yeah i mean i think that's that's one of the big um initially when we the first this lockdown first got announced that's what i was most worried about it's the idea of momentum mm-hmm. because you you kind of part of being a musician is building up this momentum yes. and it's getting people in like i said it's i was saying about before you release it you want to make sure you've got the yeah. audience so that's kind of what i've been doing for the last two years was trying to slowly build the gigs and kind of you build up this momentum which is all leading somewhere and this coronavirus suddenly felt like it had just stopped all of that momentum and I thought it it does first of all everything's on hold so everything's lost momentum at the moment it's not like it's just it's just me but then as you say um you know life life happens and if and people are happy to wait I think and I don't know there's there's more important things sometimes um than getting that release out and at the moment it's keeping everyone safe that's it and for that's other it. people it might be having a baby um, yeah you've just got to, you're doing it for yourself at the end of the day not for anyone else and it has to be for yourself first and foremost i think so you know just don't put too much pressure on yourself
0: yeah a trap that people can fall into in all walks of life but i i can talk about this kind of stuff because i do but sort of measuring yourself and judging yourself on what it is it, again that thing of having the one thing that you kind of you are so if you're a musician or you're an actor or whatever it is or you are writing a novel Mm -hmm. your kind of whole definition of what you are and your success can be tied up in that one thing and if it doesn't quite go Mm -hmm. the way that you feel or that you want it to you can end up feeling a bit of a failure but of course you're not because you made something and you actually put all that stuff on yourself in the first place nobody else exactly
1: i've always thought that um if if this album never got released even or if, if it did and no one ever listened to it I still feel happy that I just got it out there and that I'd achieved that process of recording it and whatever. It's mm. something that I wanted to do. I don't think you can you can't define yourself completely by your output. Um which I think it when you're particularly when you're in like a self-employed kind of creative industry like you say it's it's easy to do that to find yourself being totally defined by your art or whatever, but there's yes. a, there's a lot more to a person than that.
0: Absolutely. What is your definition of success um, in two ways, in terms of mm-hmm. a, a a thing that you've made? So a song or whatever, what makes mm-hmm. it a success to you?
1: That's interesting. What would make a song a success for me? For me, I think if it, I suppose if it put across the emotions and the kind of or the narrative or whatever it was that I was trying to convey, mm-hmm. then it would be a success, whether the people liked it or not is a different thing. But for me, when I write a song, it's parceling up like a little moment Mm -hmm. or a little a little feeling or a little period of my life or whatever. And that it's all getting parceled up and kind of then I can draw a line under it and it feels quite cathartic in that way. Right. So if a song has successfully conveyed that sentiment or that that kind of period, then then for me, that would be a successful song. It wouldn't necessarily be how it how it lands or whether people like it or not. It's all about I'm a big fan of lyrics, so. Mm-hmm. I think it would be yeah how how well I'd expressed
0: what that. you've communicated yeah exactly yeah and in terms of the the career then because I think you'd said that you mm-hmm. were you'd spent two years sort of focusing on this on the music side of it what is the mm-hmm. i don't want to say end goal because there's never an end goal but what is the success <laughs> there mean.
1: um i've always said because because i never like i said i never expected to be a musician or whatever i never really thought that it until a, a year ago, probably I never thought I'd be doing music um or my i don't want to say professionally, but it has become like my my main um kind of employment now and my mm. main my main focus um but I've always said that as long as it kind of supports itself um then I think then it's been a success and as long as I'm still enjoying it yeah um I haven't really got kind of a- like like you say like an end goal I haven't got that anywhere I'm particularly trying to aim. Mm -hmm. but i think as long as it is kind of self-propelling i'm not having to kind of force it force it um then i think i don't know if that counts does that count as a success i think that's what i'd count as a success if it's just if i'm still enjoying it and it's and it's supporting itself and it's just kind of happening naturally then i think Mm -hmm. that's a success for me good i've not really got um like a big goal as such
0: the cool thing is and i Took me a while to realise this for myself. Really, is you get to define it for yourself what a success is. Yeah. So you can fall into the trap of of measuring it the way you think somebody else might, but that's kind of mm-hmm. bullshit, really. It's yeah. It And I, mean, I, I haven't think...
1: got any goals of like reaching a number one or anything. I haven't mm. got goals like that, which I don't think are necessarily success for me. It's just whether I kind of I'd love to make it a full time thing and mm. for it to kind of be my my bread and butter. I guess that would be. I don't know whether that would make it a success. It would just make it my job. Mm. Um, I think a success for me is, yeah, just, just doing, enjoying it and for it to be, uh, the balls to be rolling and me just having to be kind of keeping up rather than having to roll the ball, I suppose, would make it a success for me.
0: Mm. Great. Okay. I normally ask people what they've got coming up at this point, um, but okay. things are a little bit different <laughs> at the moment. But if you, yeah. Got, what? <laughs> yeah, are you planning to do any more of the online gigs? I mean, I
1: um, I am, yeah. I think I'm going to probably do one next thursday Mm. um i'm just going to double check what else is going on
0: um oh well that's the other issue at the moment isn't it because everybody's doing it (laughs) so i've seen some people saying oh there's you know some like um gig goers there's more clashes than (laughs) there were in real life
1: I i mean i'm trying to um i do them on facebook so that then even if people can't tune into them live they they can watch the video again it. anytime. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which again is a benefit you wouldn't have from a normal gig. That's true. Um, but so I think I think I might do a live gig on Thursday next week. Um, I've also got a couple more collaborations coming up, um, and then yeah, hopefully I think most of the festivals now are cancelled. Um, I know a, a couple of them are postponing until later in the year. So fingers oh, crossed um there will be a couple of festivals but
0: i did see you on social media i think saying there'd been a couple of fe- like great festival things that had come up for this year that are now
1: yeah, yeah i mean glastonbury was a a wounder because i've managed to get <laughs> to the acoustic stage and i'm still not quite sure how i managed to do that um and that was i was honestly i was so excited about that so yes, I'm, I'm really glad that that's not happening but I'm kind of hoping that maybe that will get rolled over till next summer, but we'll have to wait and see.
0: I Should expect so. Well, I don't, what do I know? But you would imagine that <laughs> that it might. I hope
1: so. Yeah. I mean, it's the same for people um, who got
0: tickets, isn't it? For Glastonbury, aren't they kind of saying because it's such yeah, a big so deal to of, get your tickets and stuff?
1: It is, and to be honest, it feels such a big deal as an artist to get invited there Absolutely. because it's so. It's the festival, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So it's quite it's quite hard to get a slot. So I'm really hoping they'll they'll honour it for next year yeah. but we we shall see we'll see um but yeah other than that I, again i do have a couple of had a couple of exciting tours and things planned for this summer which are mm. now um which i hadn't had a chance to announce and which might be postponed till later in the year which i might be able to still get involved with but we'll we'll just have to see Cool. I can't give you a very definite answer, my
0: That's all right. I guess the other side of that as well is that once things are on the other side, people are going to be so desperate to go out to shows that it could be a real I kind really of...
1: hope so. I really hope so. And to be honest, I think everyone will just… There'll be so many small venues and promoters and artists mm. who will desperately be needing the support um, That's it. come the autumn and the winter. And I'm really worried that there'll be a lot of small festivals and small venues that won't… Um, kind of see it through this yes so those that do will need like just buy the tickets turn up tell your friends share the events because it's it, it'll be so much more than just supporting the artists at this stage it'll mm. be you know keeping keeping independent music alive really
0: the, the whole infrastructure of it which was you know <laughs> exactly. it was it was hard before you know and yeah. I, I was playing a lot of shows where i was kind of saying to people this is starting to feel like the real ale society almost in that yeah. you you know there's plenty of music you can access at home without leaving the house mm-hmm. and there's plenty of other entertainment you can take on. And mm-hmm. if you want this stuff to exist, you got to support it. So whereas you, you might pay to. a bit more to get your real ale, you know, buy a ticket to keep the shows going, because once they're gone, it's unlikely that they'll come back. And yeah, another thing totally. that at the moment, I think hopefully is people will see, you know, you don't know what you you don't know what you've got till it's gone. So they'll appreciate a lot of things in life that were a little bit taken for granted, and perhaps this yeah. kind of event will be amongst those. Hopefully,
1: I think so. I mean, I saw someone saying that um people who maybe might normally poo 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 poo, poo, mm. poo the creative um, uh, industry is kind mm. of it's all those like those degrees that aren't real degrees and those jobs that aren't real uh, jobs, yeah. but it'll be you know they'll be the ones who are now using music and books and you know netflix and these things that yeah. made by creative freelancers to kind of get them through this isolation so
0: well isn't it i in- think it's interesting how things that were so obviously the the health service and those things we know the story with those we know that they've been under pressure mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now we're clapping them outside because they're heroes yeah. well we know that and yeah. they were already but hopefully we can continue that that frame of mind Mm -hmm. but then as you say cultural things as well i mean the bbc is another one the bbc was having a lot of mud slung at it only you know a couple of months ago and license fees Mm -hmm. and all this kind of thing well actually if they get it right and do what they're talking about doing in terms of bringing culture to people in this this period Mm -hmm. it could be their finest hour and i hope so and and i think it's the same with the the creative industries one because i sort of teach guitar and do workshops in schools as well and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and we know that that's just been under pressure it's in the curriculum yeah. as if it's not a proper thing it's not really important well actually <laughs> as you say that's, that's the it. stuff that's going to be very very important to people for the next few months
1: that's it and I think it's interesting that a lot of people now they don't have anything else to do like like their normal jobs uh, learning instruments and yeah. learning languages and taking up painting and all this kind of yeah. stuff you know it's it's so important it's stuff, keeping us all sane
0: i guess the way to sum it up was it's stuff that was being made to feel like it was a bonus so yeah, yeah kids should do be. music and drama and art as a lovely little bonus mm-hmm. but it's not the yeah. proper stuff well actually again what we've thought of as the proper stuff has been shown to not be so important and the stuff that we're yeah. all now relying on is is what was thought of as the bonus a bit.
1: Yeah, beautifully put.
0: Well, kind of. <laughs> Somewhere in amongst <laughs> that, I think there was an, as an idea. I mean, it's easy yeah. for us to say, I guess, because we're passionate about this stuff anyway.
1: But yeah. I'd imagine
0: the general public a, a sort of... Are in the same position as well. But but everything yeah, I like think you said earlier just people spending time with their kids when they don't normally get to mm-hmm. or or sitting in the garden reading a book.
1: Pace of life. Yeah. Yeah. And the, taking this time just to actually rest, I think.
0: And the stuff that isn't important like the the new car and mm-hmm. the the expensive holiday and all that which people love of mm-hmm. course but they don't they don't need them in the way that maybe no. they need some of the other stuff. I don't know. Perhaps I'm yeah. getting a bit arty-farty now. But
1: no, no, I know where you're at. It'll be,
0: be interesting to see if it all... As I say, it might all just go completely mad and either way again once we're all back to normal.
1: Yeah, I do hope there'll be a little bit of... I like, was sitting outside the other night reading in the garden and normally you can hear the motorway in the distance. Yes. I couldn't hear any traffic uh, and instead I could hear, because it was a, a warm night, I yeah. could hear neighbours further up the street. Uh, I could hear them chatting and laughing through their yeah. open windows and I thought, this is actually this this is really nice and i hope there might be a bit you know everyone at home hanging out with each other yes um, not driving all over the motorway and actually just chilling out i hope that maybe
0: and although we're there might be a bit more of that although we're social distancing so going to the shops is a is an interesting kind of um thing at the moment but actually when you stood in that queue outside two meters apart people are smiling at each other and chatting to each yeah, other Yeah,
1: saying hello because they're not in a this village is never felt more like a village to be honest i Everyone kind of looking if they can help each other out and going to the shops for each other and that That's kind of it. thing. It's, it's. I think maybe people are really like turning to their neighbours a bit more than they would have done. Maybe mm. they'll, those friendships will stay.
0: That'd be great. I've heard about people having WhatsApp groups or whatever with the neighbours they've exactly. never spoken to before, and
1: yeah, yeah, stuff like that.
0: You do see the best of people, I think, in in difficult situations. Mm, also, I the worst. So. Same with social media. Also I think <laughs> I think it's going to be the the best and worst of social. So the worst in terms of the misinformation and just the yeah the crap But then the best in terms of it's how people are keeping in touch with each other.
1: Absolutely. And just all the cat pictures
0: and dog memes, which are obviously very important.
1: Oh yeah, I mean people are sharing more dog photos at the moment, which I'm all for.
0: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Great. Yes. OK, Catherine, just tell us the best place to, for people to um, check out your music and, and stuff and find out what you're up to.
1: Um, so on my website, which is um there's a list of all my upcoming gigs. There's also a list of where you can buy my vinyl and my CDs. Um, and there's also a place where you can sign up to my mailing list. Um, and other than that, I'm also on the usual Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, where you can always uh, find what I'm up to and contact me on there as well.
0: Great. Okay, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's been lovely chatting.
0: Cool. Speak soon.
1: Thanks very much. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch, let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you, till next time, goodbye.